set it up. <laughs> I won't start over though. It says, now all these things happen unto them that for an end sample that they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you by such as common unto man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, Flee from idolatry, I speak as wise men, judge ye what I say. So, he goes on here, speaking uh, previously about what they ate, and the idolatries, and the, the, the things that they did, but he goes on to establish, these were an example for us. He said, not just, not just that we would you know, read them, but we need to take these things to heart. They're written for our admonition, for our encouragement. He says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he will stand take heed lest he fall. Why do you think that's important? When we, I always think about when we get, you know, pride before the fall. We've talked about that previously. But when someone thinks that they're an expert in something but lack humility, typically what happens to them, they get toppled, don't they? We see this often with with political power. One party thinks that they've got the upper hand and they get a little overly careless and what happens? The next party comes through and topples them over. We see this happen in our country almost on a two-year cycle <laughs> sometimes. But he says, take heed lest you fall. Be, be aware of these things. That's why the scripture talks about examining ourselves and looking at ourselves because that provides the vehicle there for us to be able to reconcile our lives with the life that Christ led and what the scripture says. And when we see those things, reflecting on them and, and praying and repenting of those things and changing our lives. It wasn't so that any one of us should be disqualified like you talked about in a few verses earlier. He says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So there's not anything, any temptation that's not been common among man. But he says what? The Lord is faithful. He says, he, even though he won't suffer us to be tempted above what we can handle, but he also provides a way of escape. What do you think that comes with? It comes with preparation. He didn't want this. He spoke earlier in the book in Corinthians saying he wanted them. They couldn't go on and address these deeper things because they had divisions. And he went on and addressed some of those things. So now he's getting deeper in what's going on here. And he's explaining to them, hey, we've, we've, we've got to be aware of these things. These, these experiences, these things that happen, we need to be aware so that we're not tempted and led away. He says, wherefore, my dearly beloved Flee from idolatry. I speak to you as a wise man and judge you what I say. He says there, he loved, he loves them. He obviously was concerned for them. He wouldn't written these, written these letters to them and which the Lord, the Lord led him to do so. He says, I speak as to wise men. 
I think that's code for, I, I know you're not stupid, but you need to listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> Consider what I'm saying. Don't, don't ignore me. And he goes on there and says, The cup of blessing with which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ. For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold Israel after the flesh. Are not they which eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered to a sacrifice to idol is anything? But I say the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with the devils. Ye cannot drink of one cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the partakers of the table of devils. Do ye provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but not those things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another wealth. Another's wealth, whatsoever is sold in the shamble to eat, ask no question for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any one of them believe not, but bid you to feast, and ye, de ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered to sacrifice to idols, eat not for his sake, that shoot it for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I, by grace, be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of that which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, or do all in the glory of God, Give no offense, neither to Jew, nor Gentile, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be delivered. So, he starts to talk about separating the two. He says, you can't partake of the, of the body of Christ and partake of the body of the devils, or the table of devils. I think this goes back to the original context over in the gospel. It talks about you can't serve two masters. You you have to be, you have to serve one or the other. It says, we being many as one uh, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Well, he just mentioned earlier, he says, partake of the bread which, which we break. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So, we can't eat for sacrificed idols if it's told that we're sacrificed. He mentions that. Why? It says, for, not for your own conscience sake, but the conscience of the others. What do you think he means there? He's not trying to trip them up there. He's, he's saying, do this in love because it's going to affect the other person that, that, that sees you eating this stuff if it's mentioned that it's sacrificed idols. So be careful how you partake of these things. Why? It's for the other person's sake.
So he says, let no man seek his own, and every, uh, but every man another's wealth. I don't think he was talking about physical wealth there, but the well-being of that individual. <clears throat> Let's see here. Turn over. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. <clears throat> I'll start in verse 1. It says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, we read this this morning, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took of him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself to become obedient even to death, even the death of the cross. So he uses the same sort of the same line of thinking there there's not any difference in between the two there he says fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded having the same love being of one accord and of one mind let nothing be done through strife through fighting or vainglory but in lowliness of mind let each other esteem better than themselves so it wasn't done for the sake of themselves that they partake of the food if it causes one to stumble, but for the sake of those that would cause them, that they would cause to stumble. So if, for instance, we have, we have somebody new that comes in to serve, uh, uh, joins the church, and something that we partake in causes someone else to stumble, and I'm not going to give something arbitrary out there, but say... Uh, um, my eating a pigeon causes somebody to have a problem, not to say that I'd eat a pigeon. But for the cause him to stumble in his service to the Lord, I'd probably not eat the pigeon. <laughs> That's probably the worst example I could give, but <laughs> the point there. So it was that they do these things in love for the concern and well being of the other. He says, Conscience, I say not thine own, in verse 29, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? It's a question. He answers it. He says, For if by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all in the name and the glory of, for the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jew, nor the Gentile, nor the church of God. So he doesn't say just to the just to the brethren there, just to the church. He says to the church, to the Jew or the Gentile. He says, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. He's not saying that he does things to please these men, you know, changing what the, the word of God says or perverting what the word of God says, but he he says, I seek to please all men. I seek not to cause them to stumble. 
He says, but, he says, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit me, that they may be saved. That is a, it's a very pointed statement there. But let us not get confused on the topic. It's not that we placate other men out in the world that we, you know, play party to, but we follow what the Lord tells us to do and do these things that would cause offense. He says, be ye followers of me, in uh, verse 1 of chapter 11, be ye followers of me even as I am also am of Christ. He says, follow the example that I've shown you. And he says, because I'm following Christ. He says, now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I know that I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is every man and the head of Christ is God. And every man praying or prophesying have his head covered dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even of all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if she be sh- uh, be ashamed for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image of glory of God, but the woman is of the glory of man. For the man is not of a woman, but the woman of man. Neither is the man created for, for the woman, but the woman for man. For this cause ought the woman to have power over her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man and the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge it yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that? If a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. But if God, if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, and her hair is given for an, a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So he proceeds here, talking about ordinances and talking about the partaking of didn't preface this as well, but the, the previous passage there seems to be addressing part of the Lord's Supper and how to partake of it. Um, I failed to mention that as well. So he's proceeding here with the same thing, the order of things and how things are to be done and pertaining to the Lord's Supper as well. And he says, remember these ordinances, remember these things I'm telling you. And he goes on to establish the order of man and woman says you can't have one without the other and the man's head shouldn't be covered because it dishonors him. These apparently were traditional things at the time that they held to. The woman, it says, um, one of the notes I have in my <clears throat> concordance at the bottom says, the woman's veil or covering of her head is symbolic of her sub- uh, subordination. Rendering of power or authority. 
so it was just the, that's the order that it was set in that the woman had her hair head covered but it also says is it not a shame for a man to have long hair <laughs> you know these things that we don't readily think about this day and age but there was obviously cause for him to address these things Is every man praying and prophesying have his head covered dishonoreth his head but it says everyone that praying or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head so he's just clearing up some things for him there <clears throat> it says for a man indeed ought to cover his head uh, not to cover his head for as much as the glory and image of God but the woman is the glory of man I'll just put this question out here. You don't have to answer it, but <clears throat> so much as it talks about the authority of man and woman that we see in other parts of the scripture. You know, um, talks about um, women taking, taking or or being overstepping their boundaries and their place in the church. I don't have many many reservations about that because. There's just not much context there. But those things which we don't understand, I always ask the Lord to pray and to guide me on what it's talking about. So, <clears throat> but uh, we have we have to consider some of these things that he's talking about. The honor, the the the, the honoring woman and man of man being one another. He says, judge in yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray over her head uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, is it a shame unto him? But he says, but if a woman have long hair, is it glory to her? He says, but if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither in the churches of God. Now, I'm not saying that anybody can't have short or long hair. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> so... But the scripture, uh, just in this reading here, it says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. There he goes. He's talking about those divisions and problems again that we talked about in the first and third chapter. So he's circling back around to this. <clears throat> he says, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear of these divisions among you, and I pray and partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are proved may be manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before uh, others his own supper. And one is hungry, and another is drunken. What have ye not in the house to eat or to drink in? Drink in, or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which I have also delivered unto you, the Lord Jesus Christ, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And then he gave it, given in thanks, he brake it. And he take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he supped, he sang, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye, and as oft as you drink it, in remembrance of me.
For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself and not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should be ju- not be judged. But if we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, and we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat and tarry one for another, and if any man is hungry, let him eat at home, and he come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So he again talks about disorder amongst the Lord's people. Again, we're within context, we're referencing the Lord's Supper. So he says there, you come together and you have these fights and you have these divisions. That's a problem. Because we're to do as one body and you can't war amongst yourselves. It causes discord, there's problems. He says, but when you come together and therefore in one place, this is not it's, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in every one taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry as another is drunken. So it seems that there was some inequality in the church there that they weren't concerned with one another or, or fussing and fighting amongst one another. Some were coming in drunk and some were coming in as if they'd overeaten. They had, they had partied. And he says, what? Have you not a home to eat or drink in? Or despise you the church of God and shame them that have not. So the ones that were more established and had food and clothing and these things, they put to shame those that had none because they come in and they made this. Paul was in some sorts chastising them that they take the Lord's Supper and, and, and follow these orders appropriately. He says, For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you. So I've, I've received the same thing I'm given to you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night of which he took, uh, took uh, same night of which he was betrayed, took bread. So he talked about a blessing. His, you know, the, the bread is his body and the blood is his, or the, the wine is his, his blood. Talks about the order of the Lord's Supper there. And he says, instruction there, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's dead till he comes. The ordinance of the Lord's Supper is a sacred and solemn assembly. It is one of the ordinances that we observe as part of the Lord's assembly. The other being baptism. So it's a very, very intimate thing. And he's saying that they they come together with all these problems and they're basically transgressing Christ's blood and his body for what he had done. He says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty in the body and blood of the Lord. So when we partake of these things, we ought to do so 
with self-examination and reconciling ourselves according to the scripture. And if not, then I'm doing so unworthily, he says we're guilty. So that ought to make us all the more intent on when we observe these these ordinances in the church that we do so with much prayer and much uh, examination of ourselves and of what we are worthy. And he says, but let every man examine himself and so as to let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. What does it say when we reconcile ourselves to the scripture? That's a, that's where we consider the things that I, I, I always say this. I always consider what does my life look compared to Christ? Am I following after his example? Am I listening to the spirit? Am I, are we doing those things? Is there things in my life that are contrary to serving the Lord? What are those things? I'm not saying this because I'm perfect. I am far from it. But this ought to give us pause. Paul here was so concerned with how they were observing the Lord's Supper that he wanted to call these things into focus so that they could fix these things and write these things in Christ. So this 10th and 11th chapter have so much meat and so much information in there about the church and the things that we do. I don't have everything nailed out. I, if I did, then I would be, boy, I would be all the more better. But we don't have all these things nailed out. The only way we do that is we study them, we look at them, we go over them. We discuss them with one another. And we look for the Lord's leadership in all these things through the Spirit. He says, there, verse 33 and 34 there, he says, Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. So wait for one another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home. And if he comes, to, uh, ye come not together unto condemnation. And I rest, the rest will I set in order when I come. So he's addressing these things. He says, these other things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put into order. He says, but when you come together to do these things, wait for one another. Don't do it separately. Do it together. It's it's meant to be done together. The church is one body after all. So let us consider these things. Let us think on these things which Paul was talking about. And that's all I have for you this evening. Thank you for your attention, your time. And uh, always, if you have questions throughout the week, just think of something and we can always discuss and figure it out together. All right, we'll all stand to be dismissed.